Quickle, the official goal of soccer, presents Quick Chat, a quick-hitting interview series with some of the top people from around the soccer world. We discover how coaches got to their position and advice they give to a younger self. Welcome to Quick Chat. Hello, everyone. Welcome. Um, today we have on Coach John Harks. How are we doing, John? Doing well. Doing well, my friend. Uh, great to be uh, to be on with you today in Zoom meeting. We don't get to see each other a lot, so I'm, uh, I appreciate your time. Thanks for spending time with me, Eric. I appreciate yeah. it. Hey, listen, only with the champions. Only with the champions. <laughs> How's it feel? Feels good. Feels good. Um, it was, you know, as you know, you and I have had, you know, many discussions throughout the year and um, a lot of challenges, you know, for sure, um, that a lot of managers and clubs were facing this year. Um, so many different, you know, obstacles, different adversity that you go through. And um, in a difficult year, uh, it makes it even more rewarding when you guys are, you know, the guys are disciplined, they're competing, they're fighting, um, they understand what's at stake. And getting to you know, to, to a final again and, and, you know, and winning the final this year was great. We got to a final last year, um, against North Texas. We did extremely well in that game. We didn't execute in the final third, but you know, this year was not a normal year. As you know, we didn't even get to play in the final game. So, um, you know, it's being number one all year took a lot of, uh, a lot of sacrifice and, um, you know, in a normal league around the world and in, in some, you know, circumstances that you're number one all year, then you're granted the champion. So uh, we feel good about it. Feel good about it. And it was in a difficult year. It was still very rewarding. What was the, you know, obviously followed it all throughout the year. What was the biggest difference between this year and last? Uh, quite a bit, actually. Um, I think, you know, if we, if I self-reflect and, and look at myself, I was, um, you know, a better coach. Um, I think that you're always looking for room to improve if you're not self-reflecting and understanding how, um, you know, how you can get the best, not just out of your players, but out of your staff, out of your club and, um, and how you can be better, um, yourself. And I think that's the number one, uh, way to improve and evolve, you know, even as a coach, um, and as a person. So, from a professional growth, uh, I definitely grew this year, and in a personal growth, I grew as well. Um, you know, I think it was a lot different in terms of our approach, Eric. You know, to be fair, we we were more detail oriented in terms of exactly what we what we wanted, you know, yeah. out of our players. And um, those type of training sessions and detail oriented and the communication levels like increased mm -hmm. dramatically, um, so that everybody was checking for understanding and we knew what we wanted. Uh, it showed and it showed in our performance. So from that perspective, it changed, you know, dealing with anxiety, mental health, that was huge. I mean, it wasn't just a coach this year. You became like a, a friend, a kind of father figure, a psychologist, a, a listener, a better listener. Um, and, and just spending time with players when you got anxiety and you're traveling on a plane and you got to wear a mask and gloves and isolate and, uh, you know, no one's in the hotel, but us it's, it's, you know, it was different. It was a lot different. So I, I can only imagine. Yeah. Um, John, real quick, before we, we dive into it, kind of talk about your, you've obviously had an unbelievable run as a, as a player and your experiences there. Now that you're on the other side of the line, 
what are the biggest differences? What are the biggest, uh, what similarities do you draw from when you were a player and now that you're on the other side? Um, and talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I think it's a good question. Actually. I think there's, you know, um, sometimes there's not a lot of, uh, clear answers there in terms of some players transitioning into being a coach. I think, um, you know, when you really put the ego aside and you find your truer self, you start to discover what your purpose is. And if your purpose is to be a coach, then you better work hard every single day at your, you know, um, skill sets. And, you know, from my perspective there, it's like when you transition, you, you're not playing for yourself anymore. You're coaching, you're seeing the big picture and yeah. the overarching principles are more about what's best for the club, what's best for our staff, what's best for our team. And, um, you know, you still bring that competitive edge, uh, for sure. You know, I, I love to win when I was a player and I love to win as a coach. Um, and, uh, and you, you try to make it a, you know, you're really, I'm there for them, you know, for the players. And, uh, if I can get the best out of the players, then that's my job. Um, I'm teaching and, uh, and I'm, I'm inspiring and I'm creating a safe environment for them to, um, to give me what they can, you know, and to be vulnerable. And I think from a player standpoint, yeah, the passion's there. You compete, you fight, you dig in every single day. Sometimes the thought process is going to be a little bit more selfish, certainly than, than when you transition to being a coach. Um, but again, like I said, you know, remove the ego, understand your purpose as a coach, work hard at your trade as best as you can every single day, be transparent and honest. Because when you do that, then everybody knows where they stand. And we set the expectations this year in our culture. Um, everybody knew what it was. And when you you start to see, Eric, the autonomy take place from the player standpoint, that they take over, they're an extension of what you're doing and what you want, then that's even better. Because now it's natural instinct for them. And we saw that about halfway through the season. We had a couple losses on the road in New England. Um, we had one in Richmond where – uh, you could see there was a lot of, you know, issues off the field that were draining our players, a lot of social injustice issues. And I didn't think that we were really kind of, I guess, focused is, is the word at right. that point. And uh, but still, you've got to find way, a way to still reach out to them and connect with them and, and tell them that you understand that and that you can't put them down. It's more about coaching through encouragement as best as you can. So the difference from being a player, sure, you're still a team player, you know, when you're competing and playing, but you grow up and you mature and you evolve and you look at things from a bigger picture view as much as you can. Talk, talk about how you got to where you are today. That's, I think, really interesting. I mean, obviously, we, everyone... Most people know your your playing career and and the stops you made along the way, but that transition from when you hung up the boots to the the TV part of it to uh, to being on the sidelines now. Yeah, I think it's um, it, it's a journey <laughs> for sure. Um, for me, it's been a long one, and just it's a it's a guided discovery um, because you want to stay involved in the game, and ideally. Um, God, I love, I just, I love the game. It's my life. Mm -hmm. Everything. It's in my blood. It's in my veins. Um, my wife's the same. <laughs> she's a competitive former player and she's a coach as well and a teacher. My kids all play. Um, it's just in our family. It's what we know. And so 
you're you're trying to figure out like what's the best um pathway for you to stay involved in the game and compete and do things and you know tv was offered to me straight away you know working with fox and when i retired from columbus crew in 2003 i you know was hosting i found myself hosting with sean wheelock of uh, mls rap the first real mls you know major league soccer show to to actually cover the game on the weekend it was crazy i was flying out to la i was doing all day watching games analyzing then writing the script for the show and the timing of commercials and all this stuff. And man, you get thrown into the deep end. And I think I love doing that stuff, you know, and uh, as you transition through into the media, you start to fine tune your job and you know, how you become better at that. And it's the same in everyday life. Are you evolving as a person? Are you, um, are you helping those around you, you know, get better? And the number one thing, Eric, for me is I'm always want to, take on the accountability of growing the game in our country. I feel very passionate about growing the game in this country. And I think that there's been so many great people before us in generations before us, not just players, but builders in the game. People have taken on, you know, uh, the unsung heroes of the game that just sit in the corner and do all the work. And I'm okay to do that and roll up my sleeves and do that. I, I grew up in a tough town in Kearney, New Jersey, where everybody fights for that. And I love growing the game. So Coaching all the time, even when I was doing media, I was coaching youth groups, whether it be, you know, my, my kids' teams or coaching the U18 the game or getting experience coaching under Ziggy Schmidt at the U20s in 2005 um, Youth World Cup in Holland. And that that is like a continuous, like, stepping stone of progress of, like, how are you developing who you are as a coach? And, yeah, it's great to work with other coaches. I worked with Bruce Arena in New York Red Bull as an assistant, you know, with Richie Williams and – you know, a lot of great coaches there, um, you know, working, you know, under Bob Bradley, under Dave Sarakin, like learning and taking from these guys, all my coaches in Europe playing in the Premier League and uh, and in the English leagues, you know, back in the day. And, and even Bob Gansler, you take guys from Bob Gansler and, you know, all your World Cup coaches. So what you do is you take those ideas and you make them your own. Um, you, you figure out what you are about. And it takes a while to get there. And through that process of doing the media and doing the coaching, um, it finally taught me that, like, wow, I, I, I'm so passionate about the coaching aspect of it, the teaching aspect of the game. And, and that's kind of how I get navigated through those lines to get there. Sure. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work. And, you know, when I took on FC Cincinnati, it was my first head coaching gig. And um, we did great, you know, in terms of record. Uh, out of 30 games, we lost six, got to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Created a great, you know, rapport with the fan base in Cincinnati, um, you know, but sometimes it doesn't always work out in terms of, you know, what the vision of the club is, you know, um, personalities per se. But at the end of the day, you learn from it and then you move on and you say, OK, what's my next gig? Where's my next opportunity that I'm going to learn? And um, Greenville was fantastic. Open arms uh, with the ownership group, um, you know, Joe Irwin, the chairman and his family. Um, Chris Lewis, the president, um, you know, just wanted me. And, uh, you know, we shared the same value, core values of being a, a club for the community and growing the game the right way. And that takes time and it takes discipline and it takes structure. And um, we, were, we were all on the same page with that. So it's been great. It's been a fun journey and still have a lot of work to do, a lot of work to do. And getting to two finals and, 
is great, but you know, it only gets harder every single year as a coach. Uh, we got, we got a lot ahead of us for sure. Going into a, well, you, you, you've lit Greenville up for sure. I mean, it's, uh, it's, you've done great there so far. So I'm sure that will continue. Tell me about, um, or tell us about your, uh, your best experience on the sidelines um, as a coach, your, your best coaching experience. It's funny because there's not one that stands out. Like even winning is great, but you just, you self-reflect on what you did well and what you can do better for the next game. You know, it's like winning doesn't cure all. You win things and you're like, okay, I'm excited for a time period. And they're like, okay, what are we doing next? So yeah. um, people talk about, wow, winning must be so much fun. And I'm like, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. But it's, there's bigger things there. Um, and the work that you do, it's like, you know, again, it's just that self-reflection, like how much can I be better? Like you look at training sessions, you're like, God, I should have been better at communicating today. And, or this session could be tweaked a little bit, like five more yards here or, or reduce the numbers here. So it's just work in progress every single day. But the best moments I think are those when you work with players individually about, you know, improving their game and you see it happen instinctually on the field. Those are the best moments. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. You go, there he is. There he is. There he is. That's it. That's it. You know, and that's the best, that's the best feeling as a coach. Yeah. Flip side, the worst. Is there one? Is there one that really sticks out as, oh, that was not a good moment? Yeah, I think, you know, not having a second year at FC Cincinnati was a tough one for me. That was a, uh, that was a big speed bump in the road, you know, challenging me about, do I still want this? Am I passionate enough to go and fight for being a head coach? Because not always, you know, there's external situations that sometimes go against you and uh um you know it, it, that was a, a big uh that was a tough situation for me and our fa- my family because we built something we were excited about our work and we're ready to go for the second year and it it gets cut so yeah. th- those are always going to be tough times you know for sure um but you know you learn from it you you grow it uh, and you become stronger it's the way that you perceive those things and uh you use it to make you uh, better. You make you smarter. And so, uh, you know, <laughs> we got a long way to go still, a long way to go. There's so many coaches that I've learned from, Bruce Arena being one of them the best. And, uh, you know, I watch his work now and what he's doing with New England Revolution and how good it is and just the, the way he manages. And you know, Bruce, you've worked with Bruce and you just know who he is and he's a character, but he, God, his work is so good, man. It really is. And when the more you, it's like when you, when you parent, the more you parent, the more you respect your own parents and the work yeah. they did. The more yeah, you coach, the more you respect the coaches that coached you. And you're like, how did you put up with me? <laughs> That's what I'm saying to these guys. So it's, uh, it's, it's a work in progress all the time. Yeah. Um, I was just watching an interview with him after the uh, Montreal game. And, yeah. You know, I, but I think tomorrow night is Philly. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. So best of luck to him. Yeah. Um, but did, you like, did you like what he said in the interview? How he was like, you know, we don't need to do the scouting report. So we played him like six or eight times, you know. He's still, <laughs> that, that, that's a sense of humor, though. That's the best thing about a coach, though, is that you can push players on to work hard every single day. But I like to coach in terms of balance, understanding that you can have fun. You can enjoy yourself and have the banter. And that's part of it. That grows that, grows that, that yeah. culture every single day. And we, right. we, we've, we've gotten it from a lot of good coaches. Yeah, for sure. Um, along the way, best player. Is there one that stands out? One guy that's just kind of, wow. Best player that has coached or played? Yeah. Well, we could answer both if you want. But coached is where I was going. 
I would say, whew, man, um, Corbin Bone at FC Cincinnati was uh, a hell of a player. Um, just his everyday mentality, the way he attacks the game and fantastic box-to-box midfielder, creative. Um, saw him play at Wake Forest before my son went there and always knew I wanted to work with a guy like that. You know, and being a midfielder myself, you kind of have those appreciations for the work rate that he puts in. Um, coaching a guy as an assistant, I mean, I, I don't know if Richie Williams would tell you the same, but a guy like Juan Pablo and hell at New York Red Bulls was pretty amazing to see his level of concentration and focus and attitude and approach every single day to being the top pro was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And um, here's a guy that's, you know, played all over the world and played in England and everything else. Fantastic player. So I would think those guys stand out playing with on the national team. You know, probably guys like Tav Ramos that I grew up with. See, seeing hometown guys like Tony excel and do well as a goalkeeper and get to high levels. Guys overseas playing against a guy like Ryan Giggs, absolutely incredible. Um, you know, and very difficult. <laughs> and uh, playing with guys like Chris Waddle, you know, who was a legend at Tottenham and then went to Marseille, came back to Sheffield Wednesday, was an English international. Um, you know, competing with and, and against guys like that, you know, it teaches you a lot. When you're with the international team, you're, God, you're playing against Romario. I mean, you're playing against Dunga, guys in Brazil. You're playing against, jeez, um, everybody in the Italian national team when we played them in the second World Cup. Um, you know, high-level guys, Donadoni, I mean, Scalaccio, Toto. I mean, these players are world-class, world-class players. And, um you know that, you know, it's, you get to a level where you can compete against them and you go, hmm, I'm not too far off, but at least there's hope, you know, we can get there, we can compete against them. So, um, yeah, a lot of great players, a lot of good players that have coached and great players now, even in Greenville, quality, quality team, quality players that I've got here and guys that stood out, Dallas J, back-to-back goalkeeper of the year, um, you know, in USL League One, he's done very well. Um, guys like Brandon Fricky, who's come to the club this year, defender of the year, great, great player. Um, Evan Lee's a great defender, growing in every single day. Alex Morell, Jay Keegan, you know, these, these players, Aaron Walker, these guys like that, you, they just, they're the soul of the team and they want to compete and fight and win in every single day. They're great leaders. And, you know, Aaron Walker and Tyler Pollock to me still is like, one of the best players that I've ever coached. You know, I coached him at Cincy. I'm coaching him as a left back at Greenville Triumph. Tyler's just exceptional. Um, you look at his instat numbers, and he's leading uh, three out of four categories, interceptions, reading the game, um, completed passes out of the back under pressure, everything. Just a quality, quality guy on and off the field. So a lot of good guys, and, and it makes you better as a coach. It really does. As a player, as a coach, um training sessions, equipment on the field, is there a go-to? Is there, hey, this is my signature training game that I love. What equipment is used in those training games? Is it small um, goals? Is it uh, yeah, flat cones? What is I, it? I love the quick goal, small goals. I, I love the big goal, small goal game that I took from Ziggy Schmidt many years ago where you, you've got the width of the pitch, 18 the midfield. You've got one big goal. Of course, it's quick goal on one side. You got the small quick goal on the other side, and then the big, the opposite there. And what we're trying to do is, you know, you do numbers where it makes sense, you know, from an eight v eight or nine v nine, and you're talking about 
um, you know, switching the point of, a, of attack, but you're also talking about where you're holding that line and how you're actually getting to goal a little bit quicker and vertical passes, you know, the movement that comes out of the midfield, the way that you can kind of hold that line, even though we may change the game, Eric, and say today there's no offsides in that game. So now it's more about the physical component. I'm saying guys got to go man to man, you know, not like a San Jose earthquakes man to man per se, but a kind of a different philosophy in the game where there's going to be 10, 15 minutes of a match. You may need to mark, mark up in the back that maybe the opposition is playing a, a, a three, four, three or a three, three, four, and it's pushed onto our backs. And I'm okay with that. And the players look, Hey, are we changing the shape? No, it's just a, it's just a moment where you're going to work on this specifically so that we can get that covered in the game that if we have to do it on Saturday and we implement that on that Monday, you know, we do it in the Monday and Tuesday early. So we see how it works and what needs to be kind of, I guess, fine tuned a little bit more and then go back to who we are again and say, okay, now let's get back to who we are and how do we play in the game? How do we possess the ball and build through the lines? And so there's a lot of games like that where we do it. Numbers up games, six versus five, you know, um, transition. I love the transition games where, you know, it's, you know, 2v2, 3v2, 4v3s, players like circulating off the ball. Um, once you get a strike on goal, he's got to run around the, you guys gave us those poles, the quick old poles, which are fantastic. They've got to get around that. And now it's a 3v2 going to goal and he's got to recover, like a recovery. Yeah. Yeah. emergency defending and so a lot of different games like that transitional games are very important because you know as we see now even in football how many teams struggle on transition defensive transition how many teams yeah. you look at liverpool play against leicester uh liverpool are missing probably close to nine starters right now maybe 10 and they're still transitional defending extremely well a guy like james Milner comes in there and can play any position at the age of 34 he can just clock and just be like, that's my guy. You understand the shape of our team and you, you know, you adapt. If I, if I had to pick one thing about some of the training sessions we did this year, small sided games, we love um, adaptability in the game was the number one word all year long adaptability because we are adapted through COVID. We're adapting through everything. This team's playing us. We, we've got four false positives, but it doesn't matter. We still have to quarantine. So they're out of the game. I'm playing without two center backs. Yeah. Shift, change the way you play. It's adaptability the whole year. So, so on that, um, the, the opponents around the league, yeah. are, they, are they giving you a ton of different looks? Is everybody kind of playing the same way? W what does it look like? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think it's different looks, Eric. Um, to be honest, I think there's times where – you know, you compete against a, a Chattanooga um, and they're going to come in high presses a little bit and squeeze the game. They like to take more of a gamble in that final third, uh, take more of a risk going forward, whereas you play them and then maybe you play against or Orlando um, City and they're a drop-off team to the midfield line and they like to absorb pressure and counter into spaces. Madison's a team that we battle with every single year. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they are um, you know, moving forward into 2021 as they look for a new coach uh, there as well. And so th there's teams that sometimes match up with us really well and they want to compete. But the one thing that we like to do is stay very organized. Um, 
with and without the, without the ball. We're a team that plays as a team. There's not like two, three players that can take off plays with my team. And uh, if I can stay organized and, you know, defend the goal and get more shutouts like we do, you know, each and every year, yeah, right. um, that gives us a chance to win games. Awesome. Um, this, is a, this is a good one here. Um, what advice would you give the younger John Harks? Ooh. Um, slow down. Slow down. Which part, the playing career or the, the coaching career? <laughs> just, no, just everything in life. Slow down. Like, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Don't stay in the moment. Make it primary. You yeah. know, the more that you can stay in the moment and make it primary, like, that's your focus. Then you bring, you bring your energies more to that instead of, you know, it's easy. We all have some form of ADD. <laughs> you know, in life, there's so many things going on. Um, when when you stay focused in the present moment and slow down, then you become a better version of yourself. And uh, I, I would I would like to get a hold of myself at the age of 12, 13, 14 and say, just slow down. Like some of my my dad told me that uh, Manny Shellshite told me that as a young, young player. Um, some of the great coaches that I've had and influenced me. and. Um, I think it still sits with me today, you know, and I kind of coach with players like that. I tell them, they're like, you know, Gaffer, we got to do this, do this. And, and they're saying 17 things at halftime. I'm just slow down, boys. slow down. We're okay. And then let's just define what we're, what we're looking to improve for the second half and um, how do we exploit the offense, uh, the, uh, the opposition, but then how do we tighten up a little bit better on our end? Just keep it simple. And that slowing down part is really important. Well, listen, I, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, man. This was great. Thank you so much. All the best in the offseason. Thank you. My Good pleasure luck. to be on with you again. And uh, thank you for everything you do for the game and uh, supporting our club. You know, and Quick Cole, you guys have been fantastic with us, you know, um, both on and off the field. And, uh, you know, we appreciate you guys a great deal. So thank you so much. Well, if you'll have me back down, I will be back down. Appreciate it.